Thank you for checking out this episode of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. You can find the podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you just leave four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can follow me on social media over at pjordansec. You can email me at sportstalkfieldjordan at gmail.com. Welcome to Wiregrass Daily News Sports. This is your daily look at sports in the Wiregrass and the Southeast. Dothan Wolves on 96.9, the legend producer, Philip Jordan, breaks the news, covers the games, and talks to experts in the Wiregrass and Southeast. And now, Philip Jordan. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Tuesday edition of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. I am your host, Philip Jordan, in-studio host and producer of Dothan Woods Football on 96.9, the legend and the Auburn writer for last word on college football. You listen to Monday's show. We talked all things high school football from this past Friday night in the Wiregrass. Today, we're going to look back at college football. Predominantly, we're going to look at Auburn and Troy's victories on Saturday. And then I'm going to be joined in a phone conversation I had on early Monday evening with A.J. Spur. He covers the Crimson Tide for the Roll Tide Wire. Uh, he is the site manager over there. So we go a good 20 minutes talking about Alabama coming off the bye week and also previewing the big matchup this Saturday uh, with LSU, the game of the week in college football. So we're going to talk to A.J. all about that. Before we do that, let me talk about the Auburn win on Saturday. It's been a long time since we've been able to say that. The Auburn Tigers getting a win, 27-13 to over Mississippi State. Both teams are now at 4-4. Four four. Now, I've got a big write-up about this over at Last Word on college football, but this was not the same Auburn team we had been seeing for the last couple of weeks, and that was because of the pass game. Uh, Auburn really came out really aggressive in the game, over 100 yards passing in the first quarter. I mean, this is something with Auburn. We hadn't seen them throw 100 yards against some opponents in the entire game. But Peyton Thorne, 20 of 26 for 233 touchdowns. And like I said, they really pushed the ball down the field. We didn't really see much of the two-quarterback system. We saw Robbie Astrid a couple times come in on some run plays. He did not register a pass in the game. The only player to throw the ball in this game was Peyton Thorne. Maybe Hugh Freeze had seen the criticism on the double pass attempt from the week before with Holden Gardner that did not work. But what that did with the passing game, it opened up an electric running game from Jarquez Hunter for 144 yards. But the key stat for me, for him, 8.5 yards per carry. So he was getting big plays when he got the ball. 11 different players caught a pass in the game from Peyton Thorne. And like I said, in the first half, Auburn very aggressive. They went with tempo. They really pushed the issue. And it really was like they took what they did in that last touchdown drive against Ole Miss the previous week when they lost 28-21 to and applied that to the first half of this game. Now, they went a little conservative in the second half, um, but at the same time, I think you can kind of understand where Hugh Freeze was coming from. Uh, they got up 27-6 in this one. They had one possession in the third quarter, which resulted in an Alex McPherson field goal to get them up 27-6. to 
And then in the fourth quarter, they had some bad field position. And at the end, they were able to run the ball some more with Jarquez Hunter to run out the clock and take some time off and get in good position there. But he's got some criticism, and he addressed it on Monday at his press conference that he didn't want to put the defense in a bad position. So he probably felt like, okay, Mississippi State, we're up by multiple scores. We should be able to stop him. Now, I will say this, the Auburn defense have been bend but don't break most of the year. They were really bend but don't break in this one. Um, a lot of bending for Auburn uh, in the defensive performance there. But they were able to hold Mississippi State out of the end zone when they had to. Uh, they had some turnovers in the game, too. Zion Puckett had an interception. So Auburn's able to get this win to get the 4-4. Four and, four. and this is big. This is big for Auburn because, and I said this on the show last week, me and Taylor Jones discussed this, that if Auburn could get through this one, that this was the biggest game of the season for Auburn right now. They're now 4-4. Four four. They're going to Vanderbilt this Saturday. They're going to be Vanderbilt. A little spoiler for later in the week with me and Matt Lotalk. And then you got at Arkansas after that. And Arkansas is playing Florida this week. And Florida's coming off a loss. So where's Arkansas going to be at in a few weeks when Auburn goes to Fayetteville? Auburn could win that game. It's the same Arkansas team that just lost the week before to Mississippi State 7-3. to Then you play New Mexico State. So I'm, I'm saying this. I'm not predicting this. I'm not calling this. But I am going to say this. I do believe that there is an opportunity for Auburn to go into the Iron Bowl winning four straight, seven and four. And then who knows what's going to happen to Alabama. I'm not predicting. You'll get AJ's prediction for Alabama LSU. I'm not giving mine until later in the week when me and Matt talk and we preview that game. But Auburn could go into it, seven and four, a lot of momentum. And look, let's just say this. Even if they go seven to five, win a bowl game. If Auburn go eight and five, you're one under you freeze. That's a win. Because you freeze is going to get the talent better at Auburn. And we'll see what happens. But look, the Arkansas game is going to be the toughest one of the next four, just because when you're going to Fayetteville, that will be a three o'clock kickoff on the SEC network. So three straight weeks in that slot. This past week against Mississippi State, this week against Vanderbilt, and then against Arkansas. But again, they continue to do what they're doing. Let Peyton Thorne run the offense. And he looked really well at quarterback. He was aggressive. He was not indecisive like he been at times. Got rid of the ball quickly, too. That put an issue with him getting sacks because he just would hold on to the ball too long. So Auburn is, um, I think they're in a good spot here to uh, get some wins, get to six or seven wins, get to a bowl game. I think with this win, they're going to bowl eligible. They're going to be bowl eligible. Because, like I said, they're going to beat Vanderbilt. And then you got New Mexico State. So that's six of the Arkansas game. Big to get to that seventh win. Then potentially eight, you get your bowl game. Who knows where the Iron Bowl is in Jordan Hare. Alabama was lose to LSU. We'll see where they're at. If they come in that game with two losses, be interested, be interested in what Auburn can do there. Uh, just real quickly around the rest of the SEC, South Carolina and Texas A&M. Texas A&M wins this one 30-17. South Carolina got some early pressure on Max Johnson in this game. Uh, they took a 7-0 lead, but then A&M would come back, go up 21-7 halftime, two touchdowns in the final two minutes of the first half. Amari Daniels with a one-yard touchdown and Anaya Smith with a 42-yard touchdown reception from Max Johnson. That was Max Johnson's only touchdown pass in the game. Uh, overall, he was 20-30 of 30 for 249. So, yes, they, they got some pressure on him. 
early to South Carolina. South Carolina is not known for their defense this year, but they were able to come through and uh, take that victory. But, you know, South Carolina did make it close at one point, make it 24-7. to It never really felt like it was that close of a game at any point in the game. A&M gets two field goals, and they put it away. And it's really, when you look at South Carolina, it's Spencer Rattler, and he doesn't really have a lot of players around him. Georgia took care of Florida 43-20. I thought maybe Florida could make this a game, and I, we all wondered how would the Georgia offense look without Brock Bowers. It looked perfectly fine. Uh, Carson Beck was 19-28 for 315 and two touchdowns. Kind of wonder who's going to be that player that steps up. Well, we should have known. Lad McConkie uh, with – 135 yards, one touchdown, and six receptions. Like I said, Florida came out. They jumped out 7 nothing in this one. Uh, it was 10-7 to Georgia. Then there's a turnover on downs play for Florida. I'm not going to describe the play. It's hard to describe, but it was. I think it was a dumb decision. Go forward on four for one. Should have punted the ball at midfield. Georgia was able to capitalize on that with Dejon Edwards going up for a 20-yard touchdown, 17-7. to then Graham Mertz, next possession, fumbles the ball. Four plays later, Edwards again in the end zone. And that safety off a block punt, 26-7. And really, that just took the momentum out of it. Just though that sequence, those few possession of plays were just things unraveled on Florida. And uh, that's what happened with that one. And then kind of Georgia just pu- pulled away. Uh, 40 didn't have a lot of margin for error. Georgia does. And now we know, okay, Georgia may be fine without Brock Bowers. They played Missouri this week, so I'd be a – Interesting game as well. That'd be 230 over on CBS. Tennessee beat Kentucky 33-27. So that puts Tennessee at 6-2, 5-3 for Kentucky. The, the run game for Tennessee was on point. Um, and then for Kentucky, uh, Devin Leary probably had his best game as a Wildcat so far, but the offense was there, defense was not. And then after the 5-0 and start, Kentucky has now lost three games in a row. And then Ole Miss took care of Vanderbilt 33-7 to to go to 71. Vanderbilt is 2-7. and seven. Of course, Auburn will play Vanderbilt this Saturday. And then finally, we're going to jump into Detroit Trojans. And people say, where's Florida State at? They took care of Wake Forest. I, the ACC is just a mess. It looks like Louisville may be the next best team there. Uh, they beat Duke. They handily beat Duke on Saturday. And then – Clemson gets their fourth loss of the year. They're now four and four. Get beat by NC State, and then North Carolina loses another game. They lose a shootout to Georgia Tech. So Florida State forty-one to sixteen over Wake Forest, and they look like they are the class of the ACC. And just I guess, like I said, Louisville is Louisville that team. Uh, Troy in the Sun Belt they did beat Texas State thirty-one to thirteen. Kind of thought this would be a close game, interesting game. Like this could be a tricky game for Troy, going on the road, going out to Texas. Of course, you got a short week coming up now against South Alabama. Well, South Alabama's got the same issues, too. They lost by double digits to Lafayette. Let me, Louisiana. Uh, I do not want the people uh, over there at Louisiana uh, being mad. They are not known as Louisiana Lafayette. They're just called Louisiana. But, anyways, Texas State comes out with an opening drive, scores really quickly, eight plays, 84 yards. TJ Finley for Marvel quarterback to Ashton Hawkins on a 28 yard touchdown. So, uh-oh, Troy may have to get in a high-scoring game because Texas State moved the ball throughout this game. But uh, they only kicked two more field goals the whole time. Gunnar Watson, big game, 26 of 40, 392, three touchdowns, his best performance of the year. You know, you can't say it's his best performance as a Trojan because we remember what he did in the Sunbelt Championship game, but it's one of his best performances. And Dothan product, Jabri Barber, 10 catches, 160, and one touchdown. So Troy continues their winning ways, and now they will go into a big matchup this weekend, South Alabama, 
And then they still have Louisiana on the schedule, but then you have Louisiana Monroe before that, and you close out with Southern Miss. So the two big ones right now, South Alabama and Louisiana, you win those, I think Troy's going to be hosting the Sunbelt Conference Championship game again. And we will have a preview for the Battle of the Belt and talk some Sunbelt football later in the week. David Schultz from Locked on Sunbelt will be joining me. So we'll take care of that later on in the week and get you ready for that game that's coming on Thursday evening. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick little break, one minute, and then I'll be back uh, with my conversation, phone conversation, uh, with A.J. Spur, who covers Alabama over at the Roll Tide Wire. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, we go a good 21, 22 minutes talking about Alabama and the upcoming matchup with LSU. The Dutton Wolves return to Ripu Stadium this Thursday night when they host Jag High School out of Montgomery. It will be the regular season finale before the Dutton Wolves get ready for the playoffs. Pre-game will start at 6.45. Kickoff is at 7. Jerry Coleman and Ken Lambert will be on the call. And me, Philip Jordan, will be back at Studio Control keeping you up to date on all the scores in the Wiregrass. And also make sure to check out the Jed Kennedy Coaches Show on Wednesday. Coach Kennedy will break down last week's win over Opelika and also preview the matchup with Jag High School on Thursday night. You can also check out the Jed Kennedy Coaches Show on the Wiregrass Daily News Sports podcast feed. You can check out the Dothan Wolves post-game show as a podcast on Friday morning right here on the Wiregrass Daily News podcast feed. Now back to the show. Everybody joining me on the show today, we're getting ready for the big Alabama LSU matchup in Tuscaloosa this Saturday night. And joining me is AJ Spur. You can check him out over at Roll Tide Wire, where he is the site editor. Uh, that site is part of USA Today. And AJ, appreciate you coming back on the show. Thank you so much for having me back on. Once I got the uh, the text to to come back on, I was like, wow, I must have uh, must have done something right. So it's always fun to be back on with you. Yeah, you took up all the time talking. I rarely had to ask a question. You were you were the perfect guest last time. <laughs> well, I'll try my best to ramble today too for you. There you go. There you go. Uh, hey, sometimes when you do this, you you get a guest that just is giving you one or two words, and I'm like, okay, we're going to get you. you're getting a little little few more questions here today because uh, we we promised a certain amount of time, and uh, you're not getting out of there this easy. Uh, coaches, coaches are bad about that uh, sometimes on. Uh, in the past but anyways uh so yeah alabama co- is coming off the bye week of course the traditional bye week now with them and lsu when they're going into their matchup they both had the week off so there's no disadvantages or advantages there with that just uh alabama seven and one they're five and zero in the sec last time we talked was after the old miss game when they won 24 to 10 just uh what are your thoughts on just Alabama coming off that bye week and kind of where they're at now as we're in this last month of the season? You know, obviously everyone likes the bye week. It gives the players some rest, especially before a big-time matchup like LSU every single year. Uh, it gives the team two weeks to prepare rather than just one. Uh, so theoretically, on paper, you're looking at a rested team that's had an extra week to game plan uh, but when you're looking at this Alabama team, we're talking about a group of players that at the beginning of the season really lacked an identity. Sure, they won the week one game against Middle Tennessee. They fell hard against Texas. I say fall hard. That's by the Alabama standard, uh, 10 points at home against a top 10 opponent. 
Now, every single week, they've managed to improve. The defense has stayed strong consistently, shown some improvements, you know, where they need it, but overall the defense has stayed strong. The offensive side of the ball is where serious changes have been made, improvements are noticeable, and every single week there seems to be at least one player or one thing that's tweaked and better than it was the week before. Jalen Milrow looks like a more complete quarterback now than he has all season long. The wide receiving core actually looks like a competent group of pass catchers. Jace McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, they look like a very, very strong and cohesive running back unit. And the offensive line has been a little bit better. There's still a lot of work to do. I think if that offensive line is shirt up and you give Jalen Milrow time in the pocket, he can do it all. Now, that was a really long-winded answer to maybe the bye week can hurt Alabama. When you see such consistent improvement week in and week out, it's because every Saturday they're playing a game, they know what to expect, they know what they need to improve on, whereas over these last two weeks, might there be rust? That could be something stupid to think about considering it's only two weeks. But when you've played most of the season already and you have this one week off, you know, you don't want anybody to get lackadaisical, not saying that this is a lazy team, but you have a rhythm, you have a routine. It kind of got messed up this week with the bye week. I don't think it's going to make too much of an issue, but with the bye week, you have to hope that this team has the mentality of other teams from the past in we have two weeks to game plan and prepare. Let's be rested. Let's get healthy. Let's get after LSU. Yeah, you know, and looking at two of the previous matchups, I'm, look, I'm thinking about A&M and Tennessee. Kind of in some ways, kind of same story. They didn't play great in the first half, but they come out in the second half and just dominate. I mean, especially against Tennessee. I mean, the two-play possession to open up the second half where they just kind of just took over that game. And that's got to be something, too, that's got to, you know, a big thing is Alabama team. You know, I say against LSU, and we'll, we'll get into it, you know, Pacifics with LSU in a minute, but – the fact is they can make those adjustments at halftime and come out like it's a different team. Because I remember against A&M in Tennessee again, neither quarterback, Max Johnson or Joe Milton, had any time in the second half. What time they did have in the first half, they didn't have it in the second half. And that's one thing that's been impressive for Alabama's late, just the second-half performances this team has been able to have. Look, we, we can talk about A&M and Tennessee and the second-half adjustments, improvements that they made at halftime, but we can't talk about that without mentioning the near disaster against Arkansas. You know, the Razorbacks yeah. of all teams to, to go off against this, what many people think is a, a very, very strong and complete Alabama defense. Um, Alabama ended up winning that game by, you know, a field goal. So it, it, at the end of the day, in history books, it's just going to be a win. There's not an asterisk there that's, you know, stating Alabama lost the second half. Now, looking to what happened at A&M and against Tennessee, you know, there are a lot of fans and analysts that I see online. And, and sometimes I fall victim to this mentality as well of, you know, this Alabama team lacks an identity. They can't play a full four quarters, two halves of solid college football. They can't, you know, put away their opponents early in the game. Well, you know, look at Arkansas. They thought they had them put away in the first half. They mm -hmm. come back storming in quarters three and four. 
when you look at A&M and you look at the Tennessee game, those are perfect examples of what I and I think a lot of others that follow this Alabama team love to see. What you're getting there is a first half of feeling things out. Maybe there's a game plan going into it that's not working on either side of the ball. At halftime, whatever goes on in the locker room goes on. When they come back out, we are looking at what appears to be a completely new football team. You know, I, more than anybody else, probably give Tommy Reese more slack online. All right? Now, I have to give him credit where it's due, and that is if something's not working in the first half, he is able to take this offense, which, look, let's be honest, on paper this isn't a, you know, very, very strong offense, especially when compared to Alabama offenses of years past, just look the last five years. He's able to take that, change things around, and put together a completely new game plan for the second half that just seems to work every single time. So, yes, Alabama fans obviously would be preferable to have quarters one and two be just as strong as three and four. But let me ask you, would you rather start out strong and fizzle out toward the end thinking that you've got a you know, foolproof game plan for a full four quarters? Or would you rather maybe sweat a little bit quarters one and two but then have to face that adversity knowing you have to switch things up and then you can go into three and four knowing that the game plan you were able to put together knowing what they've put on the field in that game is going to work and you can walk away with a win. Yeah, just, you know, if you're just from a, looking at it from a fan standpoint, I mean, how would you, you, would you rather feel like you did in Arkansas where you're kind of at the edge of your seat? Okay, is Arkansas going to pull off this comeback in the upset? Or how you felt toward the end of the Tennessee game where you got built the double-digit lead, you felt comfortable, and it ended the way it did. I mean, yeah, you're gonna take the you're gonna take the better second half versus you know the other absolutely. way around. No, absolutely. There's there's no reason to be upset with the way Alabama's played some of these games, especially in the second half. Other than you know, and I hate to say this, but it's it's true. Other than just having been spoiled the last you know five six years with some of the most electric offenses that, uh, that the SEC has seen in recent history. You know, aside from the 2019 uh, LSU team, which even then in 2019, Alabama had a rock-solid offense. Um, I think now they have to get used to a different brand of football, and I don't know if it's here to stay or if it's just a placeholder for what the future holds. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. You know, you know I've talked to people that are Alabama fans kind of wonder – what it will be, you know, is like you said, is this the kind of new normal Alabama, or can they get back to, you know, like you said, that more explosive offense? Explosive offense, though, that does transition into this Saturday night. Of course, for everybody out there, it's a six thirty Central Time kickoff. CBS Alabama is a three point favorite, sixty and a half over under. But this LSU offense, and I, I told people again that I know Alabama fans look. Tennessee could have been up twenty one to zero, and they didn't. That was Alabama's defense stepping up, forcing field goals. But you can't start off like that against this LSU team. I know you're at home, but we know Brian Kelly. He gets inside the five. He's going to go for it anyways. And you've got Jaden Daniels. You've got a really solid running back in Logan Diggs, which is something LSU didn't have last year. And then you've got Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas on the outside. Oh, When you look at this matchup for Alabama going up against LSU, particularly against this LSU offense, what's going to be the keys for you? 
it's it's having a balanced defense in all honesty. Look, Daniels is an exceptional quarterback, not just uh, in the passing game, but he's able to use his legs as well. I, I look back to two weeks ago, or I guess going on three weeks ago now, uh, skipping the Army game, when LSU took on Auburn, Daniels throwing 325 yards, three touchdowns, a single interception, 20 completions on 27 attempts. That alone is impressive. Then he also had 11 carries of his own for 93 yards. I mean, that's, that's an impressive stat line, if you ask me. I'm not, I'm not sure if you know, there's too many other quarterbacks, not just in the SEC, but in the nation, that are going to be mimicking that kind of stat line. And, and Auburn's a, a worthy opponent. We were talking about them before the show. This is a team that's exceeding expectations. And Jane Daniels made it look easy going against this Auburn defense. Um, as for Alabama and what Alabama's defense needs to do, it's simple and it's be balanced. You can't put all your eggs in one basket here trying to you know, defend too much in the passing game, uh, looking too far into the run game, trying to keep Daniels in the pocket. What you have to do is be malleable. And that's what I just got through saying about the halftime adjustments. This team needs to be willing to change on the fly. And I guarantee you, LSU has a lot in store for this game to throw Alabama off. But staying on your toes and not committed to one single game plan is going to be the key for this defense to, uh, to stay alive against a very potent and quality LSU offense. Yeah, and, and I just I think LSU is probably the best offense in college football. Uh, I know for a couple weeks ago, I said, what if USC and LSU played? Well, I, I trust Jaden Daniels a little bit more with the ball. I can't believe I'm saying this, AJ. I trust him with the ball more than I do uh, Caleb Williams, is what we've seen Caleb Williams here lately. And it's amazing the development of Jaden Daniels, too, because this was a guy I thought beginning of last season, he was a one-read-and-run quarterback. Like, okay, the first guy's not open, I'm going to take off. He has progressed and he has developed, and that, that's one thing, too, that makes him dangerous. Absolutely, and this is a team that, look, I know they're ranked top 15, all right? I know they have two losses on the season, but this is a, a great foot. I'll say great. This isn't just a good football team. I'd say this is a great football team, you know, disguised as a two-loss, maybe a New Year's Six Bowl contender. All right, And I know Alabama, with Nick Saban at the helm, doesn't feed into rat poison all too much. But when you're just looking at box scores and and records in the standings, LSU doesn't really stand out like crazy, right? Obviously, they're they're behind Ole Miss and Alabama in the SEC West. This could be a, a, I don't want to call it a trap game because it's LSU. It's still a rivalry. They're still a, a great football team. Uh, anybody that says, well, they've got two losses this season, LSU is not the same LSU that beat Alabama last season or in 2019. Listen, they very well could. This is an offense, and, and we can get talking about the defense here in a second, but this is an offense that alone can win and has won them football games. Yeah, they have. I mean, it, and it wasn't the offense that lost the game against Ole Miss. Just talking about that defense. I mean, LSU, and I've said this before. I went into this season looking at the LSU defense. The secondary was a, was a big question mark for me, but I didn't expect them to be this bad defensively. I mean, I, and, and again, I'll say this. There's no excuse for an LSU defense to be this bad, especially when it's got Harold Perkins on it. 
But they're 12th in the SEC in overall defense. They're giving up 239 yards through the air, uh, 157 on the ground, almost 27 points per game. So, obviously, you look at it and say, okay, Alabama's receivers should have a big day. Jalen Milrose should have a big day. The run game should have a big day. But just kind of like for you, what do you see within that matchup of the Alabama offense versus the LSU defense? It's And this is going to sound so cliche, and I'm sorry I'm not giving you an uber-analytical answer here with, with you know stats and percentages and decimals. The answer here is whether or not Alabama is going to be able to put points on the board. All right? And let me, you know, before everybody changes the, the, the station and, you know, gets tired of, of hearing me just run in circles, listen, this LSU offense is great, and Alabama's defense is going to have to step up to stop them. But Alabama's offense is going to have to put so many points on the board if Alabama's defense can't stop the LSU offense. This could turn into an all-out offensive showdown between a proven strong LSU offense versus a relatively unknown, without an identity, Crimson Tide offense. If Jalen Milrow and, and the rest of this offense is going to have a game to prove to the college football playoff committee that they do belong and that they are better than the you know few one-loss teams, ahead of them currently in the AP rankings, they're going to have to put over 40 points on the board. All right. Look at this LSU defense and who they have let score some serious points. I mean, look, a few weeks ago, you mentioned Arkansas. They won against Arkansas by three points. They let this Arkansas team score 31 points on them. Mm-hmm. All right. Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin led. Wrong offense. I get it. But 55 points is, is serious, no matter who you're playing. All right. If you're an SEC defense, especially a top 15 ranked team defense, all right, allowing 55 points is wild. 39 points against Missouri. All right. Even Auburn putting up nearly 20 points. If Alabama's defense struggles even the slightest bit, you know that that Tigers defense is going to be taking advantage of it, which means Alabama is going to have to do everything they can, and I'm thinking it's going to be Jalen Milrow air raid day in Tuscaloosa this Saturday. This has to be not just a win. This has to be a statement win, and the defense has already proven to the rest of the nation they're here. All right, they, they, they can tussle with the best of them. It's the offense that's holding this team back not necessarily in terms of losing games, but in terms of giving people a reason to question this Alabama team. So I think they use this as a game to go guns blazing and try to match what this LSU offense has been able to do all season long against a rather weak LSU defense. You know, and this game does, you know, we, we're talking about the offenses here, but this team, this game does feature two of the better pass rushers in college football. I mean, obviously Alabama's got the leading sack guy in Dallas Turner with, with eight on the season. And then you look on the other side, LSU. Now, I, I've, I've had questions on how they've used 
Harold Perkins at times this year, especially early in the year when they had a more like an almost in a middle linebacker role. I mean, no, this guy needs to be on edge rushing the quarterback. That's what he needs to do. He's always reminded me from last year, his first year as Michael Parsons that plays with the Dallas Cowboys, just kind of a style of player. It's going to be intriguing. I think if which one of those two guys has a big game could also help decide this. Who, Harold Perkins or Dallas Turner? Yeah. Oh, it's it's got to be Dallas Turner. I, you know, as you're you're talking, I, I decided I, I to pull up just the sack leaders in um in this season. All right, or the the tackles leaders. I'm sorry, Dallas Turner is the number one rated defensive player. All right, in the SEC, Harold Perkins is the highest rated LSU player, and he is really nowhere to be found inside the top twenty five players. I mean, look, Harold Perkins is a great player on a you know poorly schemed LSU defense. Mm-hmm. But if we have to pick which one of these two guys going into this weekend should be a difference maker, you know, LSU fans are going to want Harold Perkins to be that guy and finally step up and, and do what they need him to do. But realistically speaking, Dallas Turner has been that guy, is expected to continue to be that guy. And I think uh, this upcoming Saturday, if I had to put, listen, I'm not a betting man, all right, uh, just on air, I'm not a betting man. Uh, but if I had to put some money on somebody here to uh, to be the difference maker, give me Dallas Turner. Give me 15. Yeah, I mean, you know, they know how to scheme him, put him in the right places. That's kind of been a big problem at LSU this year. They don't, for some reason, from last year to this year, they forgot how to use <laughs> Harold Perkins for some reason. I mean, again, put him on the edge, let him run after the quarterback. That's obviously we know that's what he's the best at. So uh, as we close this up, we look at this game. Uh, now we're talking, everybody. We're talking on a Monday evening, so we still got a few days left. Uh, we got a whole week till we get to Saturday. But uh, what's your gut telling you? What are you thinking happens on Saturday night? Listen, you're putting me on the spot here. Uh, I'm coming off of my last score prediction uh, for Alabama and Tennessee being spot on. I guessed it. 20-34, I had it on the, the, the head. For Alabama LSU, like I said, I think Alabama has to put up over 40 points. I think they're capable of doing it. Uh, I really do think this could end up being a game where Alabama takes it. I do have Alabama winning uh, just because I think they're the more complete team. But I, I think Alabama takes it. Uh, give me forty-one, thirty-two, Alabama. That that'll be an exciting game if it goes down a lot that on that one. So uh, and this should be exciting. It's always a big deal when Alabama and LSU play, and uh, it's always a big deal now when AJ Spur comes on the show. And uh, AJ, uh, once again, appreciate you uh, taking time out, come on the show, talk all things Alabama football. Uh, if the listeners and viewers want to check you out, where can they find you and all the work you're doing? Well, they can find the work that I'm doing and uh, the great team at USA Today Sports Media Group is doing at Roll Tide Wire dot usa today dot com uh that's where we're writing all things alabama athletics especially football we're getting into basketball as the season nears and if they want to go ahead and follow me on twitter that's at spur fm s-p-u-r-r and then fm like your radio dial all right sounds good aj once again i appreciate the time and i look forward to doing this again sometime down the road absolutely thank you for having me Thank you for checking out this episode of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. 
You can find the podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you just leave four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can follow me on social media over at pjordansec. You can email me at sportstalkfieldjordan at gmail.com. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, my conversation with AJ Spur. Uh, we're in talks to get him back on uh, by Iron Bowl, Iron Bowl week. So uh, I got some big plans potentially for the Iron Bowl coming up uh, late November. We're about to hit November. We're still the last day or two here of October, but uh, we're getting close. We're getting close to November. And uh, everybody remembers these, uh, November. So we'll see how this all is going to shape up. Now, tonight, if you're checking this podcast out, right when it comes out on Monday, on Tuesday morning, according to this on Monday night, coming out on Tuesday morning, the first college football playoff rankings of the season will come out. So I wanted to close the show out giving my top four teams. And uh, I'm sure there's cause no controversy at all. I got Georgia number one, defending champs, and they're starting to prove why they are the best team out there, in my opinion. Number two, I'm going to go with Ohio State. Look at some of the wins they have. Notre Dame, Penn State. Florida State's got some pretty good wins is too as well. The LSU win really helps them out. The Clemson win, does not as much anymore. I think the Duke win was big, even though Duke got beat by Louisville. But uh, Florida State's got some good wins. And I'm going to go with Michigan. Michigan doesn't have the wins, the standout wins, but they've been very dominant. I know some people may have them at one or two because how dominant they've been. I can't put them there because they just have not proven it to me on the field against a legit top contender opponent. But they'll have those opportunities coming up with Penn State and Ohio State on the schedule. And then the last two teams or first two teams out, I've got Washington and Oregon. Um, that game they played a few weeks ago could have went either way. Uh, Washington's undefeated. Oregon's got that one loss to Washington. So those are my six teams. And that's going to do it for today. There will not be a show on Wednesday, uh, but we will be back on Thursday with uh, David Schultz from Locked on Sunbelt to preview the Troy-South Alabama game. So that, that will be a lot of fun. Remember, you can follow me on social media at pjordansec and uh, follow the podcast at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever. You get your podcast, and also you can email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. Hope everybody has a great Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, and I will talk to you on Thursday. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to today's Wiregrass Daily News Sports. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow for more of the sports you love in the Wiregrass. Check out the podcast at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Continue the conversation and connect with Philip on social media at PJordanSEC.